is taken from Paul's uh, letter. If you point these based on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives. Meaning is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your, nearer, your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. But why don't we just pray uh, before we start? Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you uh, that you are a God that transforms us, that changes us. Oh, Lord, I pray, yeah, that you would be upon us, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to hear uh, what you have to say, Lord. I pray uh, as, as I preach your word that these would be your words and uh, not my words. Oh, Lord, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Kobe Bryant is arguably one of the best basketball players of all time. Kobe Bryant was known for his work ethic. He was known for working hard to get where, to where he was. Actually, in an interview, right, Kobe Bryant talks about how he realized that he wasn't the most skin, skillful player when he first started. Um, playing basketball. Actually, he was 17 when he started, but, but he realized as he did the jump test that he wasn't the highest, right? When he was doing the shooting drills, he wasn't the best shooter out of the, the, the people in the league. He realized he was fast, but compared to the rest of the other players, he had to work. He had to work to get there if you wanted to be the greatest basketball player in the NBA, which he knew that he could be. He just had to work hard for it. This is the guy who's known for not sleeping much, right? This is the guy who's known to going to the gym from 3 to 4 a.m. for a practice, taking a rest, and then going to the gym again from 5 to 6 and then taking a rest, going to the gym several times just to work out. That, that is how, um, that was the kind of worth ethic that he had and made him arguably one of the best basketball players of all time. Can you imagine, just imagine, if we took Kobe's work ethic and applied it to our faith, to pursuing to be more like Christ? Could you imagine if we did that? Today we will see that the Bible encourages us 
to pursue holiness and that we can do so through the spiritual disciplines. And we'll see this really in three ways. Uh, we'll talk about uh, one, well first, what spiritual disciplines are. Uh, what, what they are, uh, what their purpose is, why we should do them. Second, we'll talk about what's, what sanctification is, the reason why we do it, sanctification, which is God making us holy. And third, we will talk about well, how it is we prepare ourselves to, for God to sanctify us. Let's just start with uh, spiritual disciplines. What are they? What is a spiritual discipline? In Don Whitney, um, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, it says this, the spiritual disciplines are those practices found in scripture that promote spiritual growth. Among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are habits of devotion, habits of experiential Christianity that have been practiced by God's people since biblical times. He describes five different characteristics um, when it comes to spiritual disciplines. When we're talking about spiritual disciplines, well, one is there are disciplines that we do alone, and there are disciplines that we do with other believers. These are what he calls personal and interpersonal, right? Spiritual disciplines are activities. They are things that we do. They're activities that we do to enhance our relationship with God. The third is that these are all found in Scripture. These are practices that are practiced by those from even the early church until now. The fourth thing is really important. It's important to note that these all derive from the gospel. There is no reason why we should be doing spiritual disciplines if it has nothing to do with what God has already done for us. In fact, many of the early church fathers and church leaders actually call these, um, uh, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards actually talk about these disciplines as means of grace, things that we do that come out of the grace and love that God has for us. And lastly, it's really important to think about, well, why do we do these, these the right motivation? Why do we do these, these disciplines? Well, it's because we, when, when we do these disciplines, we are becoming more godly. It is not that we are godly that we do these disciplines, right? The Pharisees, right, talked about, well, I'm doing these spiritual things, well, because I'm a godly person. That is no, not the motivation that we have. God declares us godly, and we want to become more godly, so we do these spiritual disciplines, right? Uh, Richard Foster, right, talks about, these are just some disciplines that he talks about, and he talks about really three things, right? Um, he goes further and says there are inward disciplines, right? These are disciplines that we do um, at home, right, on our own, right? These are things that strengthen our own spiritual growth, right? There are outward disciplines. These are things that we are called to do that affect other people. We do these by ourselves, but they affect other people, like service, for example. And they're corporate disciplines. These are things that we do with other believers. You sitting here right now and worshiping together, that's a discipline. That's a corporate discipline that we gather together and worship God. If you want to know more about um, these disciplines, you can. You can read these two books. Uh, these are just two books. There are millions of books on spiritual disciplines, but this is where uh, most of these things come from. So spiritual disciplines, right, they are practices that enhance our spiritual growth. 
Well, what is the reason why we do these spiritual disciplines? Why do we even do it? Why, what is the end goal here? Why do we need to spend time reading my Bible? Why do I need to spend time praying? Why is it that I need to spend time worshiping God? What is the point? Sanctification. Sanctification is the point. Sanctification is God making us holy. This, this is why we do spiritual disciplines. Well, what is sanctification? That seems such a big, like a big word. It sounds like a big word. It's really not as big as you think. Right? Uh, Erickson, who's a theologian, uh, talks about it this way. Sanctification is the continuing work of God in the life of believers, making them actually holy. By holy, here is meant bearing an actual likeness to God. Sanctification is a process by which one's moral condition is brought into conformity with one's legal status before God. It is a continuation of what was begun in regeneration when a newness of life was conferred upon and instilled within the believer. Essentially, right, it's a lot of big words. Essentially, what it means is that we are made holy by God. God is making us more and more like Christ, right? In this concept in the Old Testament, right, when they would sanctify something, right, they would clean it and they would set that thing aside for a specific purpose with us. Well, God cleanses us of our sins, right? He declares us righteous and then he sets us aside to be holy, to be his holy people. That's what sanctification is. It is God making us and continuing to make us holy. Sanctification is everything that God does, first through Christ as a perfect sacrifice. Uh, here in Hebrews, it, this, uh, Hebrews 10, really, this, this passage talks about really the, the finished work of Christ, right? He compares kind of the old, in, in the whole passage, he compares the old sacrifices that they would have to do, right? Um, you know, uh, with the lamb, sacrificing this lamb. And he was taught, and, he's, and, and, and the writer of Hebrews says, that's not enough. Think about this. They had to do it continuously. It was something that they would have to do over and over again. Every time they sinned, they would have to go to the temple and bring this lamb or these doves, right? And that would have to be sacrificed for their sin. With Christ, in verse 10, it says this, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Sanctification first starts with everything that God has done and God sent his perfect son to, to cleanse us, to sanctify us, the gospel. Through this offering, we were sanctified in verse 10. Through his, this, his offering, we are being sanctified in verse 14. We are being sanctified. Christ has already cleansed us of our sin, but we, we do live in, in, in a world where sin still affects us. It's already happened, but see, through the power of the Holy Spirit, right, in us, um, we are being changed and transformed and continuously being cleansed and becoming who Christ has called us to be, sanctified. And that is done all through 
the work of Christ on the cross. It's something that happens inside of us. When we accept Christ, we have him inside of us, changing us. Foster writes uh, in his book, uh, inner righteousness is a gift from God to be graciously received. The needed change within us is God's work, not ours. The demand is for an inside job, and only God can work from the inside. We cannot attain or earn this righteousness of the kingdom of God. It is a grace that is given. Sanctification and spiritual discipline stem from the gospel first. Why is it that we do these things? Well, it's, it's, why do we do these spiritual disciplines? It comes from the gospel first. It is everything that Jesus does first in us. It is It is through the grace that we are saved, that we are cleansed, that we are changed. That's why disciplines, spiritual disciplines, are are also known as means of grace, because we are changed first, and we are separated and sent out into the the world. These are the words of Jesus before he sends out his disciples. He prays over them, and this is his prayer in John 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For, I, for them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. It was Jesus' prayer that those who followed him would be cleansed, that they would be cleansed by the truth of of God's word, by the truth about who Jesus was, right, in John, as they go out into the world, that they would be changed, that when they went out, that people would see them as God's disciples set apart to do his will. It is everything that God does in us. He's making us to be holy, to be more like him. Well, what does this mean? What does this mean for you? Allow God to sanctify you. Allow him to sanctify you. You are made holy by the power of God. It is God who sanctifies you. It is nothing, nothing that you do, but everything that God does in you. It is God who sanctifies you by sending the perfect sacrifice for sins, his son. Jesus' one sacrifice on the cross makes you holy. When you believe in this perfect sacrifice on the cross, it sanctifies you once and for all. My question to you is, have you, have you taken this step to fully believe have, maybe you've been coming to church. Maybe you've been, been, been hearing these things. Do you want to take this step to believe? I encourage you to allow God to change your life. Maybe you have believed. Maybe you are sitting here and, and you are a believer. Are you allowing God to sanctify you? Think about this thought. You are made holy. God is made you holy, declared you to be holy. If this is who you are, this is who you are, do you not want to strive to be who God has called you to be? You are God's holy people that are set apart. Are you doing everything in your power to allow God 
who dwells in you make you who you are, his holy people? Are you offering every part of your life to him to be sanctified, your work, your marriage, your relationships, your parenting, your finances, your ministry? Maybe you are a youth here. Are you offering him your studies, your future, uh, your time, your thoughts? Allow God to sanctify you. Well, how is it that we do this? We need to prepare. We need to prepare a way for God to sanctify us. We need to prepare a way for God to sanctify us. Here in our reading today, in, in 1 Timothy 4 through 7, right, let's talk a little bit about the context of this, right? Here, there's false teaching that was happening in the church, right? Paul comes to this section, and he's talking to Timothy, and he's telling Timothy, this is how you can be a godly minister. This is how you can make an impact in this church. He just talked about this, this specific false teaching that was happening in the church, and he comes to this section. And how is it that Timothy is to make an impact in this church? Verse uh, 7, have, have nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way. It holds promise to the present life and also for the life to come. Train yourself for godliness. Just think about this for a, for, for a second. Timothy was already made a church leader. Timothy was already a pastor. Paul had already set him as this, in the position of, of, to lead the church, as, as someone who was going to teach God's word to the people Timothy must have already been pretty godly. He must have already been a pretty good person to have that role. And yet Paul continues to, con con continues to encourage him to pursue godliness, to pursue holiness, to pursue sanctification. Paul says, how are you going to make an impact in this church? How is it that you are going to reach these people what is by how you live your life? It is by striving to be godly. He gives this idea of training. That word train there, train for godliness, is actually in Greek the word that we get our word gymnasium from. Right? If you think about what do you do at the gym? You work out. <laughs> you work out. It's, it's, I, I don't like going to the gym. I don't really like doing exercise. But it's not easy to work out. But it's hard work. But this is the same concept that we have when we're striving to be godly. It is the same with our spirituality. Paul continues this metaphor of physical training. He says, look, physical training is of value in verse 8. Right? Um, it's, it's a value. If this physical training is of value, can you imagine how much more the value of training for godliness has? how much more value godliness has on your life. Not just for things now, but for the future. This idea of, of glorification is, is when we will no longer be affected by sin. Sin no longer will be there. This is the idea that we're holding on to when we are doing spiritual difference, disciplines because we strive of a time to be that, that, that place where that is. When we do these disciplines, when we read our Bible, we push away 
the sin that so encapsulates us. We strive to be godly. Right now, we might think, oh, we're off the hook. He's saying this to Timothy. Right, look, but look at what he says in verse 11. Look at what he says. Command these, command and teach these things. We're not off the hook because we're not pastors or leaders or because we're not Timothy. Right? Timothy was to teach these things to the church. He was to live them out. Verse 12, he was to set an example in his speech, in his conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. He was to devote himself to public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. He was encouraged to live it out and teach these things to the church so that they too could be godly. We, we are the church. We are also to work hard to be godly. It is hard work. J.C. Ryle, uh, in his book Holiness, right, talks, uh, talks about it this way. There are no spiritual games without pains. I would soon expect a farmer just, uh, I would soon expect a farmer just prosper in business who contented himself with sowing fields and never looking at them till harvest, as, an, as expect a believer to attain much holiness who is not diligent in his Bible reading, his prayers, and his use of Sundays. It's work. Personal godliness is not an easy thing. It is something that we work for. Just like a farmer who goes out and prepares his field for the harvest to come, we should work hard to prepare a way for God to bring holiness into our lives, to become more and more like Christ to prepare God to transform us and change us in every aspect of our lives. Well, how do we do this? Well, I challenge you guys to pursue doing the spiritual disciplines. Pursue doing the spiritual disciplines. Paul says to train ourselves for godliness. It is God who works in you, but are you making the way for him to work in you? Are you preparing um, for God to sanctify you? Right here, here are lists of some, some spiritual disciplines. I challenge you, look at this list and choose one. Just choose one to commit to. Say, I'm going to choose one of these, and I'm going to commit to it this week, this month, this year. I'm going to do one of these things. It might mean that you need to learn what, a spiritual, what the spiritual discipline is before. Once you learn, do it and allow God, allow God to work in you. Maybe start with some of the corporate disciplines, uh, right? Many of the disciplines that we do in church or small group or prayer meetings, these are also things that we do when we're alone at home, right? Come, come to church, see how is it, go to small group, go to prayer meeting, see how it is that people pray, see how it is that we study the Bible, so that you can do it at home. I know someone who uh, was challenged, was challenged by the church to pray, right? Prayer was really important uh, at this church, and she was asked uh, to, to strive to pray more. And, and the reason why she decided, oh, well, let me learn how to do this, she decided to go to prayer meeting. She decided to go to pray, prayer meeting and learn, well, how is it that, that people pray? Because at prayer meeting, people would pray out loud. Maybe that's something that you need to do. 
You can look uh, even at how some of the great church fathers grew in their faith, right? Spiritual disciplines are things that, we, that they've been doing since biblical times. Foster, who wrote the book, right, was inspired to write his book from the church fathers of Francis of Assisi and St. Augustine. Whitney um, has a sermon of, about how Jonathan Edwards practiced the spiritual disciplines. They all learn from the church fathers, and they do it in the same way. We're holding a spiritual disciplines course starting next week. Join us for that. If that's something you really want to just do with people, we're not only going to learn about, well, how do we do these disciplines? We will do them in the, the, the course itself. God has declared us to be holy. It is everything that he does in our lives. It is my prayer that when we go out, that people will see us as people who strive to be more and more like Christ. People who strive to be God's holy people. People, in the words of Paul, people that have nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths, rather, who train themselves for godliness. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you are the God uh, who is in us, that's sanctifying us, that's changing us. Lord, I pray as we go out, Lord, that we would, that we would strive and commit to one of these spiritual disciplines, that we would allow you to change us, that people would see that we are your people that, that, that are striving, that are training to be holy pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.